1: Fantastic open, as always, from Mario Ruiz. Thank you, Laker fans, for being a part of the show. We got a great show lined up. We'll go till 8 o'clock tonight so one hour of Lakers talk. Brian Windhorst coming up at 7.30. Always look forward to chatting with him, and uh, we'll spend a lot of time talking about Lakers basketball. And I don't have to go too far to get things started here. I think Mario Ruiz mentioned something right there about Carmelo Anthony, uh, some of that coming from my postgame show yesterday. Let's just come out the gate and talk about Carmelo Anthony. A, want to give him praise for what he's done, and then B, also look at how sustainable this is going to be throughout the season. Are Lakers too dependent on Carmelo Anthony? Can he do this a couple months from now? So we're going to talk about all that. Uh, Plus, we'll hit on Anthony Davis tonight, the starting lineup that the Lakers threw out there, and we'll look forward to the rest of the week that the Lakers have. Um, So appreciate you guys being a part of the show. Okay, Carmelo Anthony. Got to be honest, Laker fans. I did not think this dude was going to be this productive for the Lakers this quick in the season. And when I say that, let me kind of explain what I'm referring to. It's not just how fast of a start that he's got off to. I just didn't think he was going to be that big of a piece. Um, And I don't know if two months from now or three months from from now as the season progresses and teams and defenses kind of figure out, okay, well, we really got to pay attention to Carmelo Anthony. I don't know if it's going to continue at this pace. But let me just give you some stats of what Carmelo's done so far for the Lakers. So far, Melo is shooting a career-high 50% from the field and 52.2% from three this season. He's averaging 16.7 points per game. That's the highest since his last Knicks season in 2016-2017. Okay, Um, I, I get it. I understand it that we're still very early in the season when you're seven games in if you're having... An awful start, that's not going to tell the full story. And if you're having a um, really quick start, you know, if you're a guy like Carmelo in his 19th season, maybe this doesn't just hold up. But I'm going to tell you why I I think there's some reasons that this isn't an outlier and why this could be something that we see a little bit more consistently from uh, this upcoming year for the Lakers. So seven games in, three of the four games that the Lakers have won. Lakers are sitting at four and three right now. So three of these four that they've won. Carlo Carmelo's been a, a huge factor in him. Not a hey, he's a role player, he's coming off the bench and uh, you know, hopefully he has a good night here or there. No, he's been a key factor to each one of these games that the Lakers have won, specifically three of the four, he's right in the mix, either leading the Lakers in scoring or right there with LeBron and Anthony Davis and uh and Russell Westbrook. Um You know, one of the things I always thought, and Michael Thompson and I spent some time on this yesterday in the pregame show, this was before he came out with another solid performance. By the way, last night he was 5 of 8 from the 3. The game on Friday night, he was 6 of 8 from the 3. So he's 11 of 16 from the 3-point line over his last two games for the Lakers, but um, before that performance last night. So Michael and I kicking back in the pregame show, and uh, I think Brad Turner was on too from the LA Times. Oh, I'm sorry, Dave McMenamin was on uh from ESPN and we're having the conversation, you know, how sustainable is it, so forth and so forth. I- I've always said if he can be what Kyle Kuzma wasn't last year, and all people are gonna sit back and say, do not make a comparison with Carmelo Anthony and Kyle Kuzma. But there was this vision Laker fans had, and I'm sure the, you know, the front office did as well. The vision was can we get Car- or can we get Kyle Kuzma to chip in fifteen points a game? And can he hit his open threes? Can he be a true threat on the outside? And the answer was, it could never happen on a consistent basis. Carmelo is, um, you know, obviously his career is established. He's a Hall of Famer. He's already accomplished so many different things. Hell, it was a week ago that he was passing Moses Malone, uh, and now he's number nine on the all-time scoring list. So we know his resume is, he's a made man, as Travis likes to say on our show. Um, But with that being said, you know, you got to be realistic with his expectations, So if the guy was giving you 12 to 14 points a night, it's like, well, that's fantastic. That means Carmelo's getting great looks. That means there's so much attention going on Russell Westbrook and LeBron and Anthony Day. That's kind of the role that he's had. I did not know that Carmelo Anthony was going to come out to start the season, have nights where he's shooting 9 of 12 from the field, have nights where he's shooting 60% from the field. And Carmelo not only looks like he's in fantastic shape, not only he looks like he's incredibly fresh but he looks like he's in the perfect role at this stage of his career. That's the most important thing. The most important thing about Carmelo so far is it's not like he's forcing up shots. It's not like he's jacking up bad shots. It's not like every single time uh, the offense brings the ball up the floor— they got to throw it to Carmelo. The defense knows it's going to go to Carmelo. The best defender is sitting on Carmelo Anthony, and you end up playing a lot of isolation basketball and the ball doesn't move and all that other stuff. No, that's not the case with Carmelo Anthony. And why would it change as the year progresses? What do you think? Do you think defenses are going to have less focus and attention on LeBron? Probably not. Are they going to have less attention on Anthony Davis? Probably not. Um, are they going to pay less attention to Russell Westbrook getting to the basket, driving in the lane, pulling the ball off a rebound on one side and, and running 90 feet? No, they have to pay attention to these three players. When Carmelo gets the ball, he gets it in the perfect position to do what he does best, put the ball in the hoop. You know, A couple times you see Carmelo out on the post. And whether those are set plays or they're not, Carmelo, the, the dude is old school basketball. Give me the ball. I got some of the best footwork in the NBA. I turn around, 18-footer, 15-footer, whatever the case, baseline. That's my shot. It's a beautiful shot. It's Unfortunately, it's not as valued in the NBA as it was 10 years ago. Carmelo, another time he gets the ball, is a double team hits a player, hits Anthony Davis, let's say, and then all of a sudden the ball starts swinging. It finds Carmelo. Carmelo's pulling up, catch-and-shoot, 22-footer. Carmelo's success is... The reason why it can be sustainable is because the shots he's getting, what he's doing on offense, is exactly those are his strengths. You're not asking him to play away from his strengths. He's playing into his strengths. So I think that obviously has a ton to do with what we've seen so far with Anthony Davis, and there's a chance that this could be sustainable. Now, I'm not telling you that he's going to put up 25 a night, nor am I telling you that he's going to shoot from the three this year or 50% from the field but I don't think it's unheard of to see what Carmelo's done so far and say is there a reason why he can't keep doing this at a you know let's say a percentage of if if he's 80% of the player a month from now two months from now of what he is today that's okay but I don't think as the season progresses he's going to get less opportunities and I don't think his looks are going to get all that worse so we'll have to see how things progress but i think it's obviously been an incredible start for Carmelo Anthony number 1 and number 2 what he's done so far um and, and how much of a factor he's been is a shocker to me uh this early in the season it really has like i, I don't know how else to put it um you know w- one conversation somebody can make the case well the lakers they're too dependent on Carmelo right now what if carmelo starts going through a streak where he comes back to reality and he's you know shooting 35% from the three point line or he's struggling from the field or his legs are just getting tired because the season is you know weighing on itself the lakers have been in a sense depending on carmelo anthony to deliver whether they're depending on him or not he's delivered and 3 of these 4 wins he's played really good one of the fears could be well, what if things just are not going for Carmelo? Yeah, i use as an example. He had a bad shooting night against the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder a couple nights ago, and Lakers blew that 26-point lead almost a week ago now. And when he had that you know, poor shooting night, obviously Lakers struggled in the second half. They couldn't play a lick of defense, all this stuff. Um, will the Lakers have to be dependent on Carmelo on a night-in-night-out basis? I don't think they will be. I really don't. I think once the engine kind of gets going here— I don't think they're going to have to depend on him on a night in night out basis, but it's something to uh to keep in mind here. Um, you know, another thing I thought was interesting uh last night for the Lakers. So Lakers beat the Houston Rockets. By no means am I gonna sit here and tell you it's unbelievable basketball and it's beautiful. Rockets have to be the worst team in the NBA. If the Houston Rockets are not the worst team in the NBA, uh I don't know what to tell you, but they certainly they look like the worst team in the NBA, but let's put that to the side for a second. So one of the things that happened yesterday, last night, Dwight was out of the game. Um, So I don't know if that influenced what the starting lineup became last night, but the Lakers did something unique. What they did unique was we saw Anthony Davis play the five for the Lakers. LeBron play the four for the Lakers. Kent Bazemore, Avery Bradley, Russell Westbrook. So... I've kind of made this argument that they have two big men for a reason. There's a reason why DeAndre and Dwight are there. They're going to take a similar game plan to the JaVale McGee and the Dwight Howard championship run the Lakers had two seasons ago. Um, One of the things I don't like doing with the Lakers starting lineup is replacing defense with offense. So what made last night unique for the Lakers, they didn't replace defense with offense. They didn't put Carmelo Anthony into the starting lineup with LeBron and with Anthony Davis, replace you know an offensive guy for a defensive player. No, no, no. DeAndre Jordan was out. Lakers got smaller. But they put Avery Bradley in the game, which is obviously a fantastic defender, a guy that's going to go out of his way to make sure that he's stopping guys on the defensive side. He values the defensive side. So there's a lot of things that come into play in this. I bring that up because – if the Lakers' strategy moving forward, and again, I I don't know if the Lakers did this specifically because Dwight Howard wasn't going to be available, so then they figured, okay, we'll go AD at the five, so DeAndre could come in as the backup center. Those are the only two bigs we have. Or if this is something that Frank Vogel is going to experiment with. Frank Vogel is going to say, okay, I want to do this, and I want to do it more often. And I also want to do it because I know that with this Lakers team, um, if I get AD playing more at the five and I still have a defensive uh, defensive player in there for Avery Bradley, as in he's the shooting guard now, Kent Bazemore moves up to the three, I can still have Carmelo come off the bench. I don't sacrifice my defense uh, in that starting rotation. And then by the time the game ends, I can pick and choose who I want to close the game based upon how those players are doing. I thought that was interesting last night. I really do. I don't want to take Carmelo. I want Carmelo Anthony to stay on the bench for the Lakers. I 100% would like to see Carmelo Anthony stay on the bench for the Lakers. And if you are going to put Anthony Davis in at the starting five, make sure you got a couple guys that can play defense. And I think they obviously do. When they had Kent Bazemore and they had uh, Avery Bradley, you have a couple smaller guys that can play defense. But the league is so fast, so quick, and you know size isn't the most important thing right now in the NBA – that might actually be an interesting adjustment there. That might actually be one of those where um, you could see how that can work to the benefit for the Lakers long-term, short-term, whatever the case is, and you still have those bigs there if you need them for a specific matchup or something along those lines. So, um, by the way, if you want to hit me on this, I read some of these tweets last night as well. If you want to hit me on Twitter, what you have thought of Carmelo Anthony so far, how fantastic he's been, your thoughts on last night's starting lineup – if you think that that's something you want to see you know, moving forward for the Lakers, uh, you can do that. Hit me at Alan Sliwa, at Alan Sliwa on Twitter. Um, okay, the main thing I really wanted to do here before we get to Brian Windhorse, I want to talk about Anthony Davis and if my expectations for him and probably Laker fans out there are just not realistic. We have a vision of what we want Anthony Davis to be, And he might be telling us on a night-in, night-out basis, no, this is who I am. And we are keep every single game trying to say, yeah, yeah, we get that, but we want you to be this player. So I'll explain what I'm talking about when we come back. Uh, Appreciate you guys being a part of the show. Stay right here. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN.
0: With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com.
1: All right, welcome back to uh, Lakers Talk. Appreciate you guys being a part of the show. So there we go. We got the show started, already spent some time talking about how fantastic Carmelo Anthony has been for the Lakers The starting lineup last night is that something that we're going to see over time is this what the lakers are going to do anthony davis is just going to start becoming the uh starting five for the lakers which is something that michael has been pushing for for a while i've been more under the no you have deandre and dwight it's okay you're gonna he's gonna play a ton of five um the lakers will use him when they need him at that five and yesterday might be the first indication that they're going to go a different way so we'll see what happens uh speaking of anthony davis so let's spend a little time on this. By the way, uh Brian Windhorse coming up at 7:30. Um we still got a lot of stuff that we want to get into and you know, we'll spend some time uh continuing to uh, go over the top Lakers stories uh, so far. So AD. Anthony Davis these last couple of nights. Um you know, I mentioned this as I was kind of teasing this segment coming up. Maybe my expectations have to change on Anthony Davis cuz I let, let me let me very easily explain to you what my expectations are on Anthony Davis. And I think a lot of other Laker fans feel the same way. And maybe these expectations, maybe I have to adjust them. Maybe they're not realistic. But this is how I view Anthony Davis. He's one of the best two-way players in the NBA, and there's no question about it. Michael and I yesterday were talking about different centers around the league. And we were spending time on, okay, Embiid is the best center in the NBA. Then the question is, Jokic or Anthony Davis, who would be the, if if AD started soon suiting up at the center position on a night in night out basis, um, who would you rather have on your team? Who's the better center, Jokic, the reigning MVP, or Anthony Davis? And I, I know what we're what we're debating here. We're debating what do you value more. Jokic is arguably the best, not just the best passing big man in the NBA, one of the best passers in the NBA. Period. Uh, he can also, he's very creative, getting to the basket. Um, he's a fantastic scorer. He really can control your entire offense, and Denver's got a young team, and, and they're playing good basketball. Okay, they'll be a lot better too when Jamal Murray comes back. Well, Anthony Davis can not only drop 30 any given night, but then he could go on the other end, and he can control a game on the defensive side, something that Jokic can't do. So Jokic uh, is elite passer can really control an entire offense. He can facilitate, he can pass, he can do the whole thing. Uh, Anthony Davis the way he stands out is he's the best defender on the other side almost every single night um you know on a night in night out basis. So, my expectations for Anthony Davis has been very simple. He's got to be a top 5 player in the NBA. How is he not? You know what? Can he even get even higher up than 5? Can he be top 3 in the NBA? Why wouldn't he be able to? He's 28 years old. He's a freak of freaking nature. He can hit an 18-footer, a 22-footer. He's got some of the best footwork down low. Uh, He can rebound the ball. And like I mentioned on the defensive side, he can change the scope of a game any given night. Do you know how many free throws Anthony Davis has taken in the last two games for the Lakers? AD has taken two free throws in the last two games for the Lakers. I think I have gone out of my way to hype up Anthony Davis. I think I've gone out of my way to put Anthony Davis in this pedestal in the NBA where he should be a part of the MVP conversation and that at least this year, it's impossible that we don't get through the season or we're three months in and we're not saying Anthony Davis is one of the few names um, that you have to mention for most valuable players in the NBA. I think I should stop doing that. I really do. And I say that because there's no question that AD is a top 10 player in the NBA. The question I think coming in this season was, can he be a top five player? Can he be a top three player? Can we make sure that when you're mentioning maybe Luka or Kevin Durant or Steph Curry or LeBron James as the most valuable players in the league, Giannis Attentacumpo, that AD has to be in that conversation? So far this season, I have not got any indication that he's going to be that player. And that's what I mean by I need to adjust the way I look at AD. Um, that's what I'm referring to when I say that uh, AD is fantastic. He really is. He's an unbelievable player, and he's on a short list of one of the best players in the NBA. But he's not in that elite elite list that we keep trying to push him in. And um, you know, he just doesn't do it on a consistent basis to be there. I I, I am. I do not understand. How, and I really, really say this a man of that skill set, and maybe this is part of the um, a player who knows that there's an 82 game grind in front of him. I'm not going to be throwing out my best stuff in October, November, and December. Maybe it's a strategy. Maybe the strategy is who cares if I could go out there and try to win MVP? Who cares if, um, you know, going out here and trying to prove that I'm a top three, top four player in the league. Maybe it's strategically the best interest for this Lakers team is for Anthony Davis to be smart, not to bang down low, uh, to maybe hang out more towards the perimeter, and because there's other guys that are helping now like Russell Westbrook and Carmelo Anthony and LeBron James, it doesn't all have to be on Anthony Davis's back. Maybe there's an argument to be made for that, but Laker fans, I have a very, very difficult time trying to understand how Anthony Davis Um, does not take complete advantage of his skill set down low and get to the free throw line. Get to the free throw line. Live at the free throw line. Take 10, 12 free throw attempts a night. He has two free throw attempts in the last two games. So that's something that has personally for me really, really stood out, and I think it does tell somewhat of a story of how aggressive he is uh, or that lack of aggressiveness that I think he needs to show on a night in night out basis And I don't have an answer for it. I genuinely do not have an answer for it. I can just, you know, kind of sit here and say that what I've seen so far from Anthony Davis this season. Um, my hopes of this guy's going to be in the conversation for top three, top five player in the NBA, Those, uh, I, I, I don't have those thoughts anymore because I don't think he's going to live up to that expectation. I think he is coming in on a night-in, night-out basis, wants to make sure, obviously, he's there for the 82-game grind, wants to be healthy for the most important time of the season, which is going to be down the road, and he does not have this presence of, he, he Statistically, if you just look at his stats, you're going to say he's having a good season, but there are a lot of these games you just don't feel that MVP-dominant presence, the way you feel LeBron or you feel KD or you feel Giannis or you feel Steph Curry. You just don't feel it. So uh, I'm going to taper some of my expectations when it comes to AD the rest of the way because I think I need to. I think it's uh, I think it's smart to do so. Um, all right, a uh, quick shout out here, and we greatly appreciate Valvoline Instant Oil Change being a partner of Lakers Talk. Uh, it's very simple here, Laker fans. Um, whether you need an oil change, a tire rotation, transmission care, and more, just pull up, drive in, drive out in about 15 minutes. Visit SoCalOilChange.com for location and game-winning coupons off your next Valvoline Instant Oil Change. So we appreciate their partnership. Um, Okay, one other thing that I want to do here, by the way, if I'm rambling and you guys want to be a part of the show in any manner here, hit me up on Twitter. I could read some of these tweets. If I don't get to some of these tweets, I could read them in the pregame show tomorrow or when I'm doing the show with Travis Rogers. We start our show tomorrow morning at 9.55. Okay, so one of the other things that I wanted to do, I wanted to just kind of talk about the Lakers overall over the first two weeks because it's really, really tough to kind of gauge the Lakers right now. How do you gauge a Lakers team that has, um, I think it's sometimes you could say, hey, they're playing, playing really good basketball. Not very, By the way, not very often. I thought the fourth quarter against the Cleveland Cavaliers team, they kind of shut things down. I think they only gave up 16 points in the fourth quarter. They've had small in the, the fourth quarter of the game against the San Antonio Spurs where they outscored San Antonio by 12 and then set the game into overtime. It's been those type of spurts where you're like, okay, they're playing some some good basketball. But for the most part, um, I think they got a long way to go. And, you know, I, I say that. I don't say it lightly. I think they have a long way to go simply because uh, their schedule is not allowing you to really kind of understand um, where they are. And this is going to be a conversation I have with Brian Windhorst. He's coming up uh, next year. One of the conversations I'm going to have with Brian is, how do you gauge the Lakers up to this point, or are you waiting to gauge them based upon you need to see a lot larger of a sample size? But I think so far, um, my takeaway is they got a long way to go. They have a long way to go. That's just the reality of the situation that the Lakers are in, that they have a lot of new guys. I'm not trying to make excuses because I thought they'd get off to a better start. Did not think they would lose a game to the Thunder, or be in overtime against San Antonio, or coming down the wire against the Memphis Grizzlies, or lose the opener to the Golden State Warriors. So um, I- I'm I'm one of those that you know I-, I don't think the Lakers have played to my personal expectations, and we'll see how things progress. Uh, so I think it's been a it's been an okay first two weeks. Now they have a schedule in front of them where they can do some damage, and then they're going to have some tests. This is one of the things I'm looking most forward to to this Lakers schedule. You got here, you know, you don't got to wait too long. You got a, a road game against the Portland Trailblazers next week. How about Charlotte, Minnesota, uh, Miami, the Chicago Bulls after that, the Milwaukee Bucks on the road at Boston? So we are going to get a chance to see – who this Lakers team is, I think over this next November is going to tell us a little bit better of a story. I thought October was really tough. The only thing I took away from October is we got a long way to go. So I'm going to run with that, that the Lakers still got, you know, obviously a long way to go first uh, through those first two weeks. But at the same time, you got the month of November where you can have some really good matchups. Um, Okay. Coming up next Brian Windhorst, we'll get a chance to uh, chat with him about this Lakers team. Uh, Stay right here. Thank you for being a part of the show. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN.
2: Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Splash! Shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Hi,
1: right, welcome back to uh, Lakers Talk. Always uh, great to have Brian Windhorst, who covers the NBA for ESPN, join in, uh, the show. Brian, thanks for the time, bud. How are you? Anytime, man. I'm good, thanks. All right, so I, I'll get started with this. You know, we, we now have two weeks under our belt of Los Angeles Lakers basketball, but also the NBA. Um, just your overall thoughts. What have you thought so far? Lakers are sitting at 4-3. and three. I think they've, you know, lost some games that you would expect them to win. Competition, they're in a stretch right now where the competition isn't all that great. How, how do you view the Lakers over the first two weeks? Is it surprising with their start, or is this kind of what you expected?
3: I made a decision. I was not going to evaluate the Lakers until at least Christmas, and maybe not even until after that. Um, the The situation with this team, with the incredible um, uh, turnover on the roster and the injuries coming in, I, I just think it's an incredible ask to put these guys together, and you're going to have wonky performances. And, and we already know that learning to play with Westbrook takes a lot of time, even in good conditions. You know, there was stability in Houston and Washington the last two years, and they still had a heck of a time, you know, making it, figuring out how to make it work. So I think it's way too early to judge them. Um, I mean, I was very concerned about their defense because, you know, no matter what, this is a team that defended the last two years, and so I was worried about them trading away a lot of their defensive core players, um, but that doesn't mean that they can't be a good defense. I, you know, I know that people talk about how Avery Bradley um, looks right now. I think it's very concerning that Avery Bradley was picked up on waivers mm. right before the season started and was getting fourth quarter minutes the first night of the season. Um, I know he might be a good fit, but that's sort of an indication of where the Lakers were on their roster. Um, you know, and I also, while I'm saying that, think that Carmelo has been terrific. He's been everything that you wanted. Out of him, his shooting from the perimeter has been exactly what's been needed. He's one. He's been one of the most effective three-point shooters in the league to this point. So that's been a real positive. And and look, they're better when when. Uh, you know, when, when we see LeBron play four and, uh, and AD play five as they started the game uh, last night, uh, the more that they do that, I think the more they're going to have success. But figuring out how they get there and how that all works is going to take time.
1: So, Brian, I'm going to hit on something you just mentioned there because Carmelo's obviously been that's how I started my show. Spent a lot of time yesterday in the post game show talking about Carmelo Anthony as well. Um, I'm curious to get your thoughts on, listen, I'm, I'm not saying that he's going to, the expectation is going to be he's going to shoot 52% from three and average close to 17 points per game. But I guess the how sustainable is it? Do you think what Carmelo has done so far through the first seven games and really three of the, the four Laker wins, he's been fantastic. So he's obviously played a big part in these Laker W's. I set that up because do you think a month from now, two months from now, he can still have this type of role with the team and you know, of course the attention is going to continue to be on the other big three. Is this something that you think is sustainable?
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's gonna shoot fifty two percent on threes, but you know, he could shoot forty two percent. Um, and if you're a, a player, you know, playing a role, shooting over forty percent on three, playing alongside LeBron and A D, you're gonna be loved. I mean, you know, that's that's the exactly the type of player that they need. And, you know, the thing about Melo is um, you know, that he's proven he can handle tough situations. He's a clutch player. He's, you know, he's a guy that when he was playing in his career was had a little variance in the way he played because of the style of play that he had. But if he sticks to this style and he's becomes a spot up shooter, I mean, he is an excellent, he's one of the greatest scorers of all time. So I think as long as he's comfortable continuing to do that, I think he'll succeed in that role. I would not look at him and say, boy, that's going to be a a leader of the roster. That's going to be a a savior or whatever. I think that's a mistake. I think you look at him as you look at any veteran role player. Can he help us get victories? Can he help you win uh, a playoff game or two? I think he can. So I think it was a good signing, and I think uh, he's uh, had a good couple of weeks. He'll have a bad couple of weeks at some point, but uh, I think he's exactly the type of player um, that the Lakers needed when they, when they made that trade. And, and I think that he's um, probably going to be a guy who you don't have to worry a whole lot about with all kinds of other stuff you've got to do with. I think Melo's probably going to be there and be, and be reasonably steady.
1: Brian Windhorst, who covers the NBA for ESPN, taking some time to join Lakers Talk. Lakers will play the Houston Rockets for the second game in a row at Staples Center tomorrow. 7.30 is tip-off, 6 p.m. pregame show with myself and Michael Thompson will start. Um, Brian, you know, I I mentioned this uh, a little bit earlier in the show. I talked about how Anthony Davis in these last two games, maybe this isn't, you know, uh, maybe this doesn't tell the full story, but these last two games, Anthony Davis has shot two free throws total. So he's played about 64 minutes of play, and he's taken two free throws. Um, Maybe it's an outlier, hey, this happens through a stretch of a season. But personally for me, I I don't see a very aggressive Anthony Davis. And even if statistically his stats are there, I don't feel his presence like I would feel him with maybe some of the other top ten players in the NBA – what does it say to you if a player of his caliber, and obviously he's a big, he's not getting to the free throw line you know, nearly the amount of times that you would expect just through a natural natural progression of a game? Does it say anything, or am I looking too, too close into it?
3: Well, I trust your uh, viewing of him because you watch more Lakers than I do. So if you think that way, well, you're probably right. I would say be careful on free throws right now because right now, um, the league is having the fewest free throws per game on record. The officials, uh, the, the changes to the rules this year, which were not aimed at really cutting down all fouls, they were aimed at cutting down uh, trap fouls where you pump fake and the guy jumps in the air and you dive sideways to go into him or uh, players like uh, you know, Harden who would come down and throw their off arm into the sides or underneath the arms of other players and rising up and, you know, creating the contact. That's what they're trying to get rid of. But what's happened is um, the officials are just in general, not calling as much contact fouls. And so we're actually seeing the offenses at the lowest level in total points per game since, um, since 2014, I think we're seeing three, uh, three point percentage is the lowest since 2000 um, uh, you know, just overall field goal percentage is like the lowest in 2003 because um, the defenses are, are more emboldened. You're looking at a team that you know, you're going to see next week when Miami comes to town. Miami is far and away the most physical defensive team in the league, and they're the number one defensive team in the league. They have one of the great defensive ratings we've seen. You know, I know in two weeks, but we've seen in the last 25 years um, and it's because they're getting away with uh, bully ball because you're not calling it. So, you know, I know that that doesn't necessarily speak exactly to Anthony Davis, but in general, the, 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 the referees to this point, and I believe it'll correct. I believe they've gone a little bit too far in correcting, um, and, and letting the defense get away with too much here. But, um, you know, I wouldn't necessarily pay attention to free throws because you're seeing free throws dramatically dropped across the league, but obviously that's the balance of Anthony Davis, uh, Playing rough, playing hard, playing uh, and, not, and you know not being afraid of getting you know a little dinged up, I think, is the biggest challenge for for AD. He's got incredible amount of stuff going for him, but that's his challenge.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, Brian, and I, I like you setting it up that way and going back to the NBA rule changes because I think a lot of that. Th- this will actually lead to a, another question in regards to what the NBA is doing. I I feel like this is the right you know the right way to play the game is you can't you can't give a player an advantage who's not even trying to make a basketball move he's just simply trying to draw foul I don't think AD plays the game that way so like you mentioned this isn't a rule targeted at Anthony Davis Anthony Davis first of all he's more finesse so it's not like he's down there and he's trying to be Charles Barkley in the paint that's not his game to begin with but I think that that rule change in the NBA I'm hearing. Compliments. We'll use Draymond Green as an example. We'll, we'll use Kyle Kuzma as, as an example. They're going out of their way to say, "Man, the NBA is so much better to watch." And then you're hearing guys like Trey Young, um, you know, say, "Okay, well, maybe that's not a foul, but there are other plays that are still fouls." Um, what What do you think of the rule change? Do you think it's good for the league? Do you think it's good for the product? What What have you thought so far?
3: Yeah, I think I, I don't think anybody who really likes watching basketball likes seeing a guy pump fake and then jump into another guy or a guy land at some bizarre angle to get his foot on another player's leg to get three shots from the perimeter. I don't think anybody who likes the game really wants to see that. So, yeah, I'm definitely for getting rid of that. However, I'm not for the elimination of the freedom of movement rules. I mean, you can probably remember back in about 2005 or 2004 when they first put in the hand-check rules, Kobe averaged 34 or 35 points a game, let the league him scoring. Like uh, all of a sudden he, he increased his scoring like seven or eight points a game. And that was because they said, Hey, listen, we can't, you can't put your hands on guys like Kobe Bryant when they're on the perimeter. And I don't think people uh, disliked the way Kobe played, you know, between about 2004, well, even before that, but really from about 2004 to until till he had the Achilles injury, he was a, an incredible weapon because you, you you couldn't hold him and grab him, and that's what's happening right now is there's a little bit of holding and grabbing going on, so. Um, uh, that you know, I, I think that they went a little too far, and the officials are taking a little bit too serious in it. And I expect it to normalize, and I expect all free throws to go up, including Anthony Davis's. But look, the way Anthony Davis played two years ago, first the way he played last year, and I'm not even talking about the injuries. I realize he had the injuries, but the way he, the aggression that he played within the bubble versus the aggression he played with last year obviously is a huge factor in the way that the Lakers are, you know, are going to play and they need the 2020 Anthony Davis as much as possible.
1: Brian Windhorst uh, taking some time here to join uh, Lakers talk covers the NBA for ESPN. Um, We are two weeks into the NBA season. Um, Brian, I, I think one of the things I'm curious about, and you know, you mentioned this right out the gate, you're not, you're not ready to really judge the Lakers until the sample size is a lot larger. They got 11 new guys on the roster, and I think you said Christmas at the at the earliest, and then you know we'll, we'll see what kind of happens from there. Um, with that being said, is this Lakers team? Do you do you see enough to where you say to yourself, okay, I can see that if these pieces over time start fitting. Yeah, this is a team to reckon with in the Western Conference. The vision that they have in mind is, you know, uh, it's it's tangible. It's out there now. It's going to take some time to get there. Um, do you see that? I mean, does do you do you see some indication of that through the seven, first seven games or? Is it really, really difficult to know the product that you have, especially for this Lakers team, because so many new pieces, because it's Russell Westbrook trying to fit in with LeBron and Anthony Davis, because THT, Trevor Ariza, Wayne Ellington, and Kendrick Nunn have all been out to start the season? Is it difficult to kind of gauge what this thing could look like when the, when the dust settles?
3: When you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis playing well, the margin of error and the things that you can do as a team are really endless. And so in a vacuum, do I like what the Lakers did? Not really, because I watched for 15 years all of the teams that LeBron was on try to figure out ways to stretch the floor and get complimentary ball handlers and let him be do the dominant ball handler. I watched the Lakers win a, um, a championship with LeBron as point guard. So the idea that you would not have LeBron be point guard, the idea that you would trade away defensive players who stretch the floor and not re-sign them, um, you know, the way uh, you you let a championship team sort of just go by the wayside. I didn't love that um, to get a guy who is the antithesis of the type of players that LeBron has thrived around in his career. I wasn't thrilled with it. But how can I sit here and tell you that, Anthony Davis and LeBron James playing at a high level when healthy isn't the formula to, to make all things possible. So that's what I will say is I, out of incredible respect to them and their talent, I'm willing to sit back and wait and watch um, and say, I believe in them. And I, and I, and I wasn't sure I believe in them, but the way they played in 2020 and the way they played last year when they were healthy In my mind, gives them an incredible amount of, of credit and rope. And guess who else feels that way? Jeannie Buss and and Rob Polinka. Otherwise, they don't do the Westbrook trade. They did the Westbrook trade because those two guys were in favor of it. And if you're going to, if you're going to go down, you're going to go down supporting those two guys. So that's where I'm at with that. I'm interested to watch and see how it works. And, uh, and I will, I respect them enough to let them, let them try.
1: Brian and uh, final one for you. And again, I appreciate the time. Uh, What's been the biggest surprise for you in the Western conference so far? Is it uh, maybe it's a specific team or the way anything's unfolded a player? What's, what's kind of stood out to you in the West?
3: Well, you know, I think it's Minnesota has been surprising Hmm. and, and how well they've played. Uh, Not that I think that they're a serious threat to do anything, but it's, it's a surprise. Um, It, you know, there's a bunch of teams that are that are not performing as well as I thought. You know, Denver has had some rocky nights. Uh, Phoenix obviously is off to a to a rocky start. Um, I I know the Warriors are playing well. They've got a favorable schedule right now. Um, uh, they have Steph Curry and Draymond Green. Uh, I expect them to play well because they've got those two two types of guys. Um, but really, I, I haven't seen anything that I'm like you know blown away by. I still think we're in a time right now in the league where things are trying to normalize So you know, that we have a, you know, another off kilter off season and we have a number of guys who are dealing with injuries already. Um, you know, I, you know, you look at the Clippers, I have no idea what's going to happen to Clippers this year. None. You could, you could tell me they're going to finish 12th place and be in the lottery and that draft pick is going to be sitting with Oklahoma City, and there's a big problem. You could tell me that Kawhi is going to come riding back in on a white horse in March, and they're going to sneak into the number six seed and be uh, a tough out. I have no idea. I have no idea what's going to happen. I have no idea what's going to happen with the Lakers. I have no idea what's going to happen with the Suns. Uh, I I, I am in complete uh, absence of being able to predict what's going to go on, and that, I think, means that the league is in you a know, good place. And I think in the East the same way. Because of the uncertainty with Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons, I have no idea what's going to happen over there. And so I'm enjoying watching it, even though I in my job can admit that I don't think we're seeing everybody put their best foot forward right now.
1: Brian, uh, fantastic stuff as always. Thank you for taking the time. Always appreciate your insight, all right? Thank you, Alan. Have a good week. All right, buddy. You too. That is uh, Brian Windhorst covers the NBA for ESPN. Fantastic stuff for him. I want to follow up on a couple things that he said. First of all, the new NBA rules, is it affecting Anthony Davis? Maybe I'm being too tough on AD. Uh, Plus the upcoming schedule, why the Lakers really need to handle this week in front of them. They got three games this week and a couple of Laker injury updates as well. Stay right here. Appreciate you guys tuning in. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN.
2: Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. All
1: right, thank you again to uh, Brian Windhorst for joining the show. By the way, appreciate everybody hanging out here uh, tonight for a little bit of Lakers talk. If you miss any part of the show, remember, every time I do Lakers talk, it goes up on the uh, Lakers Talk podcast on the ESPN app or on iTunes so just search Lakers Talk with Alan Slewa. you get the full hour Uh, fantastic conversation with Brian Windhorst so Windhorst brought up something that I actually want to get into and, and this has been in my opinion this has been kind of a fascinating, fascinating part of the season so far I'm complaining about Anthony Davis not getting to the free throw line enough and you know when I complain about it my intention is I just want to see Anthony Davis get to the line more. You can't have two games and AD only get to the free throw line twice. Now, if somebody wants to make an argument and say, oh, well, it's because the new NBA rule changes, which is what Brian Windhorst was indicating, okay, if he got to the free throw line 10 times over the last two games, I'd say, okay, that's still not enough. He's been to the free throw line one trip, took two free throws. That's it. So the NBA, the the new rule changes, some people love them, some people hate them. I will tell you as a consumer – somebody who's a fan of the game. If there's one thing I hated most over these last couple of years and just, you know, something I don't like about the NBA, too soft. Every freaking possession, you got to blow a whistle. You're rewarding guys like James Harden who are not even trying to make a bucket, not even trying to uh, make a basketball play. They're just trying to draw a foul Well, that's changing in the NBA, and usually anytime there's going to be a change in any sport, it's drastic in the beginning. Everybody starts saying, man, this thing is incredibly drastic, and then they find a middle ground here. It's not going to be what it is right now, and it's also not going to be what it was before. They'll find a middle ground. So you'll still get foul calls. If you draw enough contact, um, I I think it's not going to be 90s basketball, 1990s basketball, where they just don't call any fouls. I don't think that's going to be the case. But it is kind of funny how some people love it and some people hate it. Draymond Green of the Golden State Warriors, he said, Can I also say how satisfying it's been to watch the game of basketball with all these BS calls? I'm sorry, I'm not supposed to curse in interviews, right? Can I say how satisfying it is to watch the game without all these terrible calls? Guys cheating the game and grabbing guys and getting the foul. I've been really enjoying watching basketball this year. And then former Laker Kyle Kuzma sent out a tweet over the weekend. The new rule changes to the sport are the best thing the league has done in recent history. Watching the game is much different. Okay, if players feel that way, imagine how the consumer feels. Imagine how the consumer feels. Um, you know, this is, uh, this is a, a critical part of the game that has been cheated. That's the right way that Draymond put it. And the only thing that I don't like about the rule changes is why it took so long. How come it took this many years? If you're the NBA... And you want to know how to improve your product? Listen to your fans. Your fans every single night on Twitter are telling you what they like and what they don't like. Every single the playing tournament, they liked it. Keep it very simple. Um, the three minute reviews, they don't like it. Find a solution for that. Make it quicker. Stop trying to make it perfect. Let the electronics take care of what needs to be taken care of, or stop doing replays until two minutes left in the game. Listen to your consumers. Listen to them. It's the same thing if you're running a restaurant. People will tell you what item of food they don't like because the less they order that item, the more indication it is you should probably take that menu off the item and the one flying off the shelves you should spend more of your resources towards. So I bring that up only because the good coming from these NBA rule changes is um, it's fantastic for the game, it makes it more enjoyable. I kind of like a little rough style of basketball. I think that's a good thing. The bad is you waited so freaking long to make it happen, but at least they got that part right. By the way, quick, uh, quick little shout-out here to Valvoline Instant Oil Change. We appreciate their partnership here on uh, on Lakers Talk, whatever it is you need. Whatever, oil changes, tire rotations, transmission care, and more. Pull up, drive in and drive out in about 15 minutes. Visit SoCalOilChange.com for location and game-winning coupons off your next Valvoline Instant Oil Change. So thank you to their partnership. Um, okay, as we're coming to a close of the show here, got a couple things I need to uh, – get into before uh, we get out of the show. Quick little update here on some Laker injury updates. Uh, Coach spoke earlier today. He mentioned that uh, Talenhor Horn Tucker, the stitches, had the stitches removed, um, and he is hopeful that he can start shooting tomorrow. So he had stitches removed from his uh, right hand. I actually see him, you know, when I'm doing the pregame show, Michael and I get a chance to watch the guys warm up. And uh, THT is out there. He's just using his left hand. So just THT is, you know, obviously trying to do as best as he can with the injury that he has. So there's one update there. Another update that we got earlier today as well was on Wayne Ellington. Um, So Wayne Ellington looks like he is going to – I'm going to read this actually off the uh, Lakers Twitter. Um, Wayne Ellington looks like he's going to spend time in the uh, the G League – And he will be there to kind of, I guess you could say, start rehabbing or whatever the case is. Um, The Lakers had put this out a little bit earlier. The Los Angeles Lakers have assigned guard Wayne Ellington to the South Bay Lakers for practice today on rehab assignment, Ellington will practice with South South Bay today. So that was earlier today. And then he will be recalled to, the, to Los Angeles immediately after practice. So we're, put it this way. We're getting closer to Wayne Ellington coming back. So that's obviously good news for the Lakers. Uh, last thing I want to mention, the upcoming schedule for the Lakers. Laker fans, we have a favorable schedule. So the Lakers need to take advantage of this favorable schedule specifically this week. The Houston Rockets We know talent. Visit RobertHalf.com today.